Visa, Mastercard, Swift. The innovation on them is is grinded to a halt. It doesn't really change. Nothing really happens. It doesn't move. It's very centralized. It's very controlled. What we have with Bitcoin Lightning Networks, open, interoperable, that allows for innovation to happen overnight. All right. Merry Christmas. How are you all? This is the final show before Christmas. So, Merry Christmas. Thank you to everyone who supported the show this year. It's not the final show of the year, just the final one before Christmas. I've got my family up. We're going to be settling down for some food, some drinks, some games, some arguments, and some Bitcoin talk. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to ruin their Christmas. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I'm using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got Danny Scott on the show. Coin Corner Danny. You must know him. If you don't know, he's a great guy. I met him for the first time recently up at the Edinburgh Conference. I had a good chat about Bitcoin. I said, come on, Danny, it's about time you came on the show. Wanted to get Molly on as well. She'll be on at some point. But Coin Corner are doing some amazing things here in the UK to drive adoption. Something like I've not really helped enough with because I'm usually spending time out in the US. But with the exchange, the bulk card and the new products they're building, it's really exciting what they're up to. They deserve a push. They deserve some support. And it's about time we started supporting some British Bitcoiners. So I'm here for you, Danny and Molly. Going to help you any way I can. And yeah, great to get Danny on the show to talk about Bitcoin and everything they're up to. If you've got any questions about this or anything else, please do drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Morning, Danny. Morning, Peter. Morning, Danny. Morning, Peter. <laughs> Morning, Danny. <laughs> Morning, Danny. <laughs> Got a couple of daddies on the show. Danny, nice to uh, nice to finally get you on the show, man. It is uh, exciting to be here. It's uh, been a long time and nice to finally get on, which is good. So thank yeah. you for having me. No, anytime, man. Uh, would have been nice to have Molly here too. Yeah, I think um, a couple of the team were, were jumping and wanting to jump and uh, join in as well. But yeah, unfortunately... Uh, too busy in the office at the minute. We'll get Molly on sometime. Um, so listen, man, uh, firstly, big credit, everything you've been doing for the UK market. Uh, I've been neglecting it, running over to the States and talking all, to all the Americans, everyone over there. But I know you've been working very hard on the UK market. It's great to see you in Edinburgh and hang out and see everything you're doing. Uh, me and Danny here, uh, Danny Knowles, have been talking about the fact that we should be doing a bit more in the UK market. And so we're going to be dedicating a bit more time here ourselves, but just for people listening, if people don't know you, Danny, they don't know Corn Corner Danny, yep. uh, just do an intro to yourself. Tell everyone who you are, what you do, where you're from. Um, okay, cool. Thank you. So, yeah, I'm uh, Danny Scott from uh, Coin Corner, which is a uh, UK Bitcoin company. Um, sorry, British Bitcoin company, British. should we say. <laughs> um, so, we're uh, based in the Alamam, um, headquartered there. Uh, we've been around since 2014. Um, we, uh, I'm founder, CEO of Coin Corner. Um, still have a quite small team over there, um, but we've been heavily focused on Bitcoin and what Bitcoin can do from a utility and a, a use case perspective. Last night we were hanging out with a bit and you were telling us that you're not just really an exchange, you're building like a, a Bitcoin ecosystem. Yeah. So can you just talk about the kind of like ecosystem of products you're building and what the kind of strategy is behind this? Yep. Um, so I think initially when we first started out with Coin Corner in 2014, it was people wanted to buy Bitcoin. So we wanted to create an easy on-ramp, get people on to buy Bitcoin. That was the use case back then, buying it um, or getting exposure to it, whether it's investment, store of value, whatever you want to classify as. Um, once we kind of, once I guess I got myself and some of the founders got our heads into Bitcoin and how it works properly, um, it was kind of like, okay, this is a a real world use case it can be used in certain ways that you know we all go through that cycle i think of um understanding and uh, the, the the cycle of it's going to solve everything it solves nothing it solves everything. you you back and forwards all the time with various uh, concepts and ideas um 
But uh, once we'd kind of created this onboard fiat on ramp for for Bitcoiners to come and buy Bitcoin, we wanted to say, okay, well, how do we? What's this long term project? What's you know? Are we just trying to get people to speculate on the price? Is Bitcoin actually going to be used in the real world? And a lot of the other competitors at the time, uh, going into like 2016, 17 times, they were just creating um, altcoin casinos. Be polite at the minute. Uh, <laughs> that'll change later. <laughs> um, so they were creating casinos effectively, and it was all on speculating on the price of things. And there was no, what we saw as a value there in terms of a real world value, real world use case, there was just nothing there. So we wanted to try and, come away from that and, and push ourselves away and be more of a niche and go, at, okay, well, how can Bitcoin actually be used in the world? Um, so we started introducing all sorts of things really throughout. So you can obviously buy Bitcoin, you've got the wallet on the app, um, you can send and receive now with Lightning. Um, we've introduced merchant services, so merchants all around the world can have an account with us, they can pay invoices, receive payments, um, that can be for example, an airline company can invoice somebody in South Africa and South African can um, pay them, buy a Bitcoin, it comes straight into their Coin Corner account and it can be flipped to pounds or euros. Um, so it was it was then a focus of, okay, well, there's real world use cases here, there's cross-border payments, there's, uh, we're seeing it, we're kind of seeing it in El Salvador in certain areas, obviously it's a bit of a top-down approach. Um, but there is real world use cases for this and it was kind of like, if it's going to be a payment system that everyone thinks it is, like with Lightning, can we can we also sort of relate that to the real world and what people are familiar with in the real world? And, and especially in the UK, 93% of in-person payments now in the UK are contactless payments. So that was where we thought, okay, well, how do we create products and like people are using in the, the, the traditional financial legacy financial world, how do we bring that into our world? So we then created the bolt guard, which was then contactless lightning guards, tap and pay. Um, so that ecosystem has slowly evolved out. We've got recurring payments. We've got all sorts of things now that we're trying to build around without saying copying or cloning the traditional financial system, but all online. And so there's eventually, we see, I guess, the long game as what we have with Bitcoin and Lightning is far superior as a technology to what the current financial system has and is. And over time, that will migrate over to Bitcoin and Lightning. So that's going to take years and you know decades away, but that's where we're positioning ourselves to make sure we're driving that for one and, and showing that it can be done, which it can be done, um, and then trying to actually position ourselves in the future to be that company there that supports this ecosystem. So where some exchanges really just give you the ability to buy and hold or sell and maybe custody, you're thinking of kind of like the next step. You're almost kind of like a bank in some ways in that you're helping facilitate payments and convert back to fiat. Uh, so is that is that the kind of strategy to be more bank like? Um, we're not a bank. I know. I know you're not a bank, but <laughs> you're providing. That, but so, yes. so let's put, you're providing almost banking like services. Though. It's kind of like Bitcoin banking is yeah, is, yeah kind of where you go down. Um, so yeah, it's it's cloning like the legacy system and trying to bring that onto the Bitcoin standard and running on that that level of technology. But it's. The, the way I see it and the way like we look at legacy technology and, and legacy systems, Visa, MasterCards, Swift, everything else, the innovation on them is is grinded to a halt. It doesn't really change. Nothing really happens. It doesn't move. It's very centralized. It's very controlled. Um, what we have with Bitcoin Lightning Networks, open, interoperable, that allows for innovation to happen overnight. We released the bulk card in uh, end of May, June this year, and already 
because it's open and people can go and play with it and, and use it in different ways. You can already do it in a non-custodial way. People are creating their own versions of the cards. People are using it in Brazil, in El Salvador. The, you know, all of a sudden, in, within four or five months, it's being used, I think, in it's about 45 different countries where we've had videos of people using it and showing it. And it's not all Coin Corners and Coin Corners customers. It's the card itself just being used. Um, so it shows how fast innovation can happen. A lot of this stuff will make sense for Bitcoiners, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I was coming up and I was like, Danny, I want to uh, integrate some of this stuff into the football club. We want to be able to you know, allow people to pay for shirts online and accept it and convert it back to fiat and we want to take money at the ground. That kind of all makes sense to me because I'm a Bitcoiner. Um, in terms of uh, how are you kind of orange-pilling companies? Because you've created some adoption, obviously, with um, uh retailers accepting Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and you've probably spoken to various companies who are doing remittance, but what is the process of orange pilling them into using Bitcoin? What are the hurdles for them, and, and, and what, kind of what problems have you been solving? So the, the, main, the main thing, and this is a, a little bit of a, um, a reality check thing for a lot of the industry and what we have to do, stop forcing Bitcoin down people's throats. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yep. Um, okay, it might work 10% of the time, but you know, you've, a lot of it is, is wasted resource and energy as, as such. Um, what you need to do and what the, guess the experience we've had over the years is make sure we can find problems that we can solve for people using Bitcoin. Um, so what you've touched on there with the cross-border payment side, um, that there's companies all around the world in different jurisdictions that may struggle with banking, may struggle with um, access to SWIFT networks. You know, we've we've been through these struggles ourselves. The amount of bank accounts we've lost, I've, I've lost count of um, as a company. And we've ended up banking in Eastern Europe and Hong Kong and everywhere over the years because we couldn't access traditional banking. We're a legitimate company and, and running um, as far as we can, but there's nothing we can do. UK banks wouldn't touch us. Well, you know the experience I've had with banks, yeah. all based on Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's the same. It's, I mean... I've personally lost bank accounts because of it. The company's lost bank accounts because of it. It's It's been hard. And that was a bit of an eye-opener to, and it will be to yourself as well, how, yeah, there is so many people and companies around the world that have them same struggles every day just because of jurisdiction or industry or anything to do with them potentially. Yeah, I can't figure out if this is down to these companies being scared of Bitcoin or it's because of the restrictions and requirements put on them by the government for money laundering and KYC and it's just too much risk for them. Like the conspiracy side, so it's like, oh, the banks, it's like turkeys voting for Christmas. They're not going to do that. But I actually think it's more to do, I think it's probably more to do with the requirements put on them by government. Yeah, I think quite heavily, yes. Um, they uneducated. So back in, say, 2015, 16 times, I put it down to like, it, they were just uneducated, didn't know what it was, they were scared of it, they were just like, we don't know, we haven't got the, the, the uh, expertise and the resource to deal with this, so we're just going to leave it alone. As time's gone on, they are, they've always been interested in the banks, especially like say UK mainstream banks, we've spoken to them many times over the years uh, in all different capacities. Um, as that's kind of gone forwards, that's kind of changed where they're like, they know it's coming and they know they've got to do something and get involved. They're just now trying to figure out how do we get involved and what do we do? And I guess now is the time where we're seeing, is it an anti-competitive thing or are they still just unsure of it? I'm not not quite sure. Years ago, 2016, I would have said, yeah, they were just uneducated and, and scared of it because of the regulations they had around them. Now, I think it's starting to become more of an anti-competitive move where um, they... Um, I say anti-competitive, anti-competitive, and I know for well resource as well. Um, we have um, something called APP fraud. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. No, with, uh, automatic push payments. So 
um, somebody, so basically like a romance scam style thing. So somebody's getting scammed by somebody else around the world and they tell you, oh, I need some money, um, come and buy Bitcoin from wherever, Coinbase, Coin Corner, and they, they buy some funds and they send it. Um, we have, I guess, built internally a process to catch these and handle them. Um, and we have done this over the years. It's took us many years, I guess, to get to a point where we're comfortable with that. Um, but a lot of the banks, if anything like flags up from that perspective, we've actually spoken, and tried to educate the banks on how to handle these sort of things. And they just haven't got the time and the resource. So they just say, now they're just not going to let them send Bitcoin, uh, let them send uh, GBP to CoinCoin to buy Bitcoin because they don't have the resource that it's easier for them to just say no. Um, and that is, you know, whether that's internal banking policies um, in terms of who, uh, where the funds are going to which department, um, I think is generally uh, the, the thing that people are shouting at. Um, so there's so many nuances, I guess, to the, to the thing, to the point, I guess, of why are banks not banking some of these industries like ourselves? Um, there's loads of other sectors out there that are um, your CBD, your gaming, your, your adult, everything, you know, they're high risk industries that banks struggle to bank. When you've had banks uh, remove your business from them or decline your business, usually it's, for me, both times it's been, while I've been with the company for quite some time, so Lloyd's, I've been with them for 25 years. Uh, uh, I've been through the story of why they've uh, kicked me out. Um, and then I moved to Wise for both personal and business. I've actually quite liked Wise for a while. It was, you know, it was a great service. Um, the reason they uh, the reason they closed my account is they said, you cannot uh, make transfers to exchanges, which I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, but what would happen is whenever I had a significant invoice being paid by a sponsor, I would have to go through this lengthy KYC process, which was um, who's the money coming from and why? And I'd explain and then they'd say, okay, can you show me a contract and an invoice? I'd have to show them contracts and invoices. Um, they actually uh, closed my account because of Gemini. Right. Okay. <laughs> because they, even though it wasn't in their terms of service, their terms of service says you cannot send money to exchanges. They actually said, well, seeing as you're doing business with a cryptocurrency exchange, uh, we won't allow, even though you know, Gemini are probably the most regulated exchange. Mm, yep. We have a full contract and it's for buying advertising services. They still close my account based on that. Right. And each time it happens, it's actually quite a headache because they don't give you long. No. Uh, Lloyd's gave me six weeks. Wise froze my account immediately. Well, wow. immediately froze access to the account so I couldn't do transfers. I had to put in a request to have the money withdrawn, which would take 10 days. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't actually, I think, did I end up paying your wages from my personal account? I can't remember. Yeah, so, and, and so I was like, where do I go and get an account? I eventually got one with Revolut, yeah. but, but you know, for 10 days, I had my business frozen with no warning. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Insane. It's, it is insane, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I've, I've, we've not had the, the frozen piece in that scenario just yet. Obviously, we've, we've lost accounts over the years. Um, mine was a personal one at HSBC. Right. Um, and I'd had that again for, since I was, 12 or whatever, 13 at the time when you first get your, your first bank account. Um, and I think it was in 2016. They closed my account with 30 days notice and I was uh, trying to contact them. They wouldn't talk to me. Uh, I eventually went into one of the branches, um, caught one of the guys there that was trying to help me through it. He was just as lost as I was at the time. Uh, it'd come from London HQ, he said, so he couldn't tell me the reason why they were closing it. Uh, eventually got out of them. He said, um, I, I said, it's because of Bitcoin. And he, the guy kind of looked at me like, didn't know what to say, panicked. And then he, as, he was, as I was leaving, 
Um, he said, like, if your circumstances change, we'll welcome you back. I was kind of like... <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, huh. So the effect was just because I was a uh, an owner of a Bitcoin exchange, they just didn't want to touch me as well. fucking criminal. No, no. <laughs> Dude, listen, I had it with Lloyd's. Uh, the, the one with there was they just called me up and they wanted to ask me about transfers. And I said, it's none of your fucking business. <laughs> I mean, not in those words. Yeah. And then I got a letter two weeks later saying, we're closing your account in six weeks. And I called him up and said, what's the reason? He said, um, that when we don't give out the reason. I was like, I've been with you for 25 years. I've had every mortgage payment go out. I've, ne I've never even, I don't think I've been in an overdraft for 20 years. I said, you have never had anything to complain about. I've had a loan, which once, which was paid off in, uh, in full. Mm -hmm. I'm the perfect customer. Well, actually, I'm the shit customer because I, I don't use overdraft fees. But yeah. like, I've, ne I've never done anything wrong. And you're, you're closing my account and you're not telling me. I think it's fucking terrible. It is. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but I, I blame the government for it, this, though. It is, yeah. That sometimes the banks are not to blame, I think. Um, and it is. And I'm not saying the government's are to blame. And, I am. Know, whoever the government, yeah. I well, guess because no, they outsource surveillance to the banks. The in, yeah, I'm guess, I'm guess I'm more saying the individuals within the government at that time are potentially not. It's the laws we now have in place and the regulations we have to uh, work through. And we're, we're seeing that in our industry already now. We're seeing um, regulation become tighter and squeezing us uh, in different ways. And they're trying to still force legacy concepts, I think, into a lot of the, the Bitcoin industry, which is just, it doesn't work. Um, so there's there's quite a, an uphill battle at the moment, I think, for that. Well, it's again. holding the UK back. It has been for a while, yeah, unfortunately, I think, with, um, I mean, we, we're Isle of Man. Um, we were, um, we fell under what we call designated business in the Isle of Man under the FSA, which is uh, kind of the equivalent of the crypto register in the UK. Um, but we've been under that since 2016. Um, so we've been one of the longest running exchanges that's fell under any formal obligation to do like AML, KYC side. Um, that was done by the Alaman in 2016 and it's only just getting done by the UK now, which is like, you know, we're six years later and it's still, it's, I guess the first batch of them went through maybe a year ago. So it was five years um, to get to that stage. Uh, so it's, and I appreciate the UK is a much bigger country than the Alaman is, and the Alaman's a tiny little place that can be nimble and, and react quickly. Um, but yeah, governments, especially with Brexit, with the UK at the minute, and the way that's been, and the, the financial uh, industry in London um, slowly jumping ship and going to Paris and elsewhere, um, you know, that's got to be a wake-up call to them, and they need to react. But I think they're, you know, the likes of the FTX saga and everything's just, none of that's going to help and it's just going to make things man. 10 times worse. Yeah. Uh, if um, we're honest. Explain the Isle of Man to people listening because obviously we've got listeners around, all around the world and yeah. uh, they probably don't even know what the Isle of Man is. <laughs> so the Isle of Man is, um, I always get this wrong, so it's, it's in Great Britain, <laughs> but it's not within the UK. So it sits in between the UK and Ireland. Um, so it's a tiny little island just between the two of them. Um, it's a self-sovereign state, so it has its own government um, regulation. It's the longest running government in the world, I think, um, called Timwald. Um, it's like our Hawaii, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> the weather's just like Hawaii, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, what is it, 80,000 people live there? Actually? Yeah, I think yeah. Like 80, 85,000, I think, yeah. So on such a small island um, with a small population, does that mean you, ha you get, have the ability to have a kind of direct dialogue with lawmakers? Yeah, yeah, massively helpful. So... Um, back in 2015 or 14, 15, uh, 16, when we first were, were getting up and running, they were, we were working with them to help create something that would work for the industry and let us grow and let them have an oversight of us of what's going on uh, and make them comfortable effectively. So yeah, it was, you know, I can, 
um, drop them an email, call them up, and I can go in and meet them the next day in person and have a conversation with them. So, and I appreciate it. again, it's a small country, so you get that flexibility and that um, opportunity. Whereas in the UK, it's much bigger, many more um, clients and businesses to deal with, so it's harder to do that. Um, but yeah, the communication has been incredibly good. I think there, um, and we've, I mean, um, even with the uh, Dubai. Uh, side of things where we're opening an office in Dubai at the minute in the UAE. Um, oh, are you? And the, yeah. You didn't tell us that. You told me yeah. that, yeah. Oh, was, it, was that when I was out on the phone? <laughs> you yeah. might have been, yeah. 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 All right, so so you need to update me on that. Uh, that was back in, we announced that back in September. Okay. Um, so we did a partnerships. We've got a partnership with a royal family office over there. Um, which Hell yeah. Is, uh, with the shakes. It's with one of the shakes, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> um, which has been a bit surreal, uh, a, a bit weird. Um, How the fuck did that come about? Uh, that was, honestly, I, I've, I've told this story so many times now, but it is, um, I, we got an email from, maybe I think it was about March time, um, from some lady and I kind of ignored it and thought, okay, I don't know what this is. Sounds like a scam. Um, I thought it was like Nigerian prince yeah, style yeah. scam, like they wanted to um, partner with us and do things. So I was kind of like ignored it, ignored it. I think I ignored it for about a month and then eventually she kept chasing. So I messaged her on LinkedIn just to check. I Googled her, checked her out, checked the family office out, um, messaged her on LinkedIn, said, is this really you? Like emailing me and she was like, yeah, please, can you reply? I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> like, I'll reply too quickly. Uh, so that was then in, I think, April, May time, um, properly conversations picked up and uh, what they do over there, so they have a, a the royal family office for one of the uh, Al McToom royal family members, uh, one of the sheikhs there. Um, they... Uh, find companies all around the world that are in innovative like technology and industries and they try and help bring them to Dubai and the UAE. So they help partner with you. They help um, introduce you to their network of companies, which is incredibly vast. Um, they help you with regulations and banking and everything there. So uh, they help us effectively set up office there, set up shop there and get running. So, yeah. So what is it? Like, is it an investment? Is it a partnership on a sec secondary business? JV partnership. Okay. Um, sort of thing. So yeah, not investment. And so what you're setting up another, is it basically you're replicating your services there? Yeah. Yeah. So wow. I'm going to be... Um, Company will be open any time now. We've got the, the regulation, the sort of what's coming to that with um, the regulation over there, or the regulator is called VARA. Um, and uh, we're just going through that process with them at the minute. That probably will be sort of Q1, Q2 next year by the time we can get the license and start operating there. Have you been out? Yeah, yeah, went out to, to meet them. And, um, what was that like? It was amazing, to be fair. It was, it was really like the first time I'd ever been. Um, and Dubai in itself is just incredible. Have you guys been? I've only uh, transferred there when I went to Mauritius. Um, so I've flown in and like even flying in, you're like, what? Yeah. It's just insane. Everything is luxurious. Everything is big. Everything is, um, it's so clean. Like even just walking down the main streets, it's just everything's so clean, so nice. Everyone's polite. Um, from my experience there anyway, maybe other people have had different experiences, but yeah. It was, Did they treat you like royalty? Did they take you out to dinner? Um, we, <laughs> they treated us very well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we did not not quite like that. But um, yeah, it was very organized, very professional. So what do you think this means for the business then? So I guess from our, from our perspective, um, again, this is like this use case and how do you find the use case? And in the UK, um, this is a, a, a big thing in the UK. Bitcoin as a payment method and things like that doesn't have a massive use case right now. And that is a reality. That's not, you know, people need to wake up to that sometimes. You can 
we've got merchants in the UK and you can go and pay with Bitcoin and it's great and it actually gets people a lot of marketing and it will bring customers that you wouldn't normally get. So there's, there's positives. However, everybody has a Visa card, MasterCard. People generally don't struggle with banking um, and access to the system. So there's no real use case for it. So looking outside of the UK, that's where we've been and trying to look to different jurisdictions and, and different ways we can help um, Bitcoin as a utility. So Dubai, uh, the UAE has um, an incredibly... Uh, vast amount of um, immigrants. So they've got, I think it's about 25% of Dubai is Emiratis, which is uh, local uh, people there. Then you've got the 75% is made up of all sorts of um, cultures and uh, people from around the world. So we've, what that opens up to is uh, remittance markets. So there's, as an example there, I think we have uh, it's like 250,000 Filipinos, I think, in Dubai alone that all remit every month back to the Philippines. Um, so all of a sudden you've got markets there that are, if we can open up in Dubai and the UAE, we can then hopefully help re- people with remittance products um, to remove uh, remit um, Bitcoin or value, whatever that may be, dirham uh, in Dubai, back to the Philippines, uh, PHP there. This show is brought to you by Ledin. Now from savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of their holdings today without selling their Bitcoin. Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they will re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. And not only a Ledin sponsor, I am also a customer of theirs too. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N dot I-O. Next up, we have Fidelity Investments. Now, one of the most regular emails I receive is people asking how to break into the industry. And Fidelity Investments reach out to me as they are looking to recruit hundreds of digitally native associates to their team to help shape the future of money. Now, Fidelity Investments is a diversified financial services provider with more than $7.2 trillion in client assets under administration and over 1.3 million trades each day. And they have also been pioneers in the Bitcoin mining and asset management space. Now, they started in Bitcoin back in 2014 when they entered the mining space and have continued to grow their team and services ever since. And their in-house fintech incubator is where the teams come up with innovative solutions to bridge the worlds of traditional finance and decentralization. Now, you have the chance to join them and directly impact how they deliver financial services to their customers. And they provide the resources, training and development to make you successful in this emerging industry. Now, if you want to learn more about this, then please head over to crypto.fidelitycareers.com. That is crypto.fidelitycareers.com. Next up, it is Ledger. Now, recent events have highlighted just how important self-custody is. And Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you to take control of your Bitcoin. And the world's most popular hardware wallet just got better. Ledger have recently announced the launch of their Nano S+. The larger screen makes it easier to manage and verify your Bitcoin transactions. And the Nano S+, maintains the same high level of security as all other Ledger products. Now, I have been a Ledger customer since early 2017, before I even started this podcast, and I absolutely love the S+. If you want to find out more and purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot L-E-D-G-E-R dot com. Also, today we have BitCasino. 
Established in 2013, BitCasino was the first licensed Bitcoin casino, and they are trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide. Not only do they have cutting-edge security, but they also have fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money can't buy. With over 2,800 games and tournaments to compete against each other and 24-7 live chat support, BitCasino is the best Bitcoin casino that you can go to. Now, if you want to find out more about BitCasino, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award, head over to bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O.io. And please remember to gamble responsibly. So why would they use you instead of, say, Western Union? What's the... Like, do you have to have, therefore, a shop in the Philippines? No. So what we've... um, so what you guys, I think you saw Danny, didn't you? Uh, Strikes announcement this week uh, yeah. with Bitnob. Very similar. Um, which is, um, that's effectively allowing. So the way that's kind of done at the minute, um, people seem to be a little bit confused with that as well on socials, but you can go into your Strike app, you can put some bank details in for Kenya, Ghana, or Nigeria, um, and who it's going to, and then you can click send. That in the background is getting a, a lightning invoice from Bitnob and then Strike are paying that lightning invoice or flipping the dollar to Bitcoin, paying the lightning invoice at the Bitnob's end in Africa. They're flipping that Bitcoin back to their local currency and sending that on to potentially the bank accounts, to the M-Pesa accounts, the Money Mobile accounts, um, all sorts of things. So it's instant and ridiculously cheap. Um, When you start looking at the remittance fees around the world, um, I think it's Nigeria's average is like around 9% fees on remittance. Um, We're also doing the same thing with Bitnob. Sat here this morning waiting for the announcement to go out, which hasn't yet. Um, but that will, uh, I think when we've been testing, we're looking at maybe like 15 to 2% um, fee. And that's including uh, FX rates and uh, fees all, all combined. So you're going to cut rates by like 7% there? You can almost hit spot rate. Which, wow. And 24-7, FX World obviously operates in Monday to Friday. Um, so it's 24-7. You can do it weekends, any time of night, any time of day. It's instant. It costs next to nothing. Yeah. See, but we, Danny, we keep hearing about the Bitcoin remittance story. Yep. We heard about it with El Salvador. We've heard about it with Strike. Like, we keep hearing about it, yet we haven't seen, like, an explosion of it. Is this really just about education, then? Yeah, it's it's been a combination of education and infrastructure. So we... Um, years ago, uh, we were talking to a venture capital company um, back in 2015, 16, and they wanted to do a, a remittance product from uh, UK and Europe back to Philippines, I think it was. Um, and at the time, we were saying, okay, yes, you can send Bitcoin from, you can buy it with us, you can send it over to the Philippines, but we, we don't have access to the bank into the system there. We, how do we get that back into their hands? There wasn't really a Filipino exchange. You couldn't really do anything. That infrastructure wasn't possible. Now, and that was also with on-chain Bitcoin rather than Lightning. Uh, now we've got Lightning. Now we've got the infrastructure there. Pouch, for example, are in the uh, Philippines, and we can do that with Pouch. What's Pouch? Pouch is a Bitcoin Lightning wallet. Effectively. I think they're the one doing the, the Bitcoin Island, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Ah, the place you want to go. Yeah. Okay. Stole our name, Bitcoin Island. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so Pouch are doing it in the Philippines, and we can then send Lightning payments to them, and they can auto-flip to their current local currency and straight into their local bank accounts. Um, and vice versa, back to the UK or Europe with ourselves. Um, Bitnob are the same in Africa. There's um, Neutron Pay in Vietnam. There's uh, Bipper in Brazil. There's loads of these now being built out. So these now are like lightning companies that are effectively just building out a lightning wallet that you can receive money into and it will auto flip to fiat and go the other way. Same with Strike in the US. So you need to partner with these all over the world. Yeah. So what we're already doing in the background there, so we're already working with 
pretty much all of them, the guys that I've just mentioned, um, and trying to help bring together um, more of a more of a agreed structure, should we call it, of how the remittance should work for Lightning payments. So it becomes as easy as like you open your Coin Corner app, you type in, uh, for example, do you guys know what Lightning address, addresses are? Do I know what a Lightning address is? A, a Lightning address, yeah. Yes, of yeah. course. I'm not that yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. Do you I have know. a Lightning address, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I know what an XPub is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Could you explain? <laughs> an I, did you see the tweet I put out about the XPub yeah. the other day? Do you, yeah. do you, did you know that was a chat AI one? Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, okay. That, no, that was the point. Because everyone was doing chat AI. Yeah. So I went on the, the chat AI and said, write me an intelligent... Uh, tweet of 280 characters explaining what a Bitcoin XPub is, <laughs> and I, that, that's what I put out. <laughs> and like, I, I, like a lot, like a few people spotted it. I didn't yeah, know. They're like, I mean, I knew you'd copy and paste it. <laughs> I, got, I got an email from a guy saying, "I've just seen your tweet about XPub." He's like, "You've come a long way, man. You're really, you're really learning." <laughs> I was like, "Dude, I, that's a chat. I, I, I could come up with that shit." <laughs> yeah, I know what an lightning address is. So yeah, you can think about it. It's obviously for people listening. Uh, if you're not aware, it, a lightning address kind of looks like an email address. Um, and you can then effectively, I can type in like um, Danny at pouch.ph, and that could be your Lightning address for your pouch account in the Philippines. We can then, from Coin Corner, you can just type it into your app, send £100, press the button, it'll pull £100 from your Coin Corner balance, turn it into Bitcoin, send the Bitcoin over to you via Lightning, and you'll receive it and flip it to the other side. Does, does every Lightning payment need to start with an invoice? Uh, yes. Well, there's key sends and you can kind of do it with a key send rather, but it's not really widely used. But c can you have auto invoice creation so someone doesn't, like, if I want, if Danny had an address and I just want to send him lightning tips, right? Yeah. How does that invoice get created for that tip to get sent? So in the back, so for a lightning address, yep. all you need is a lightning address. So okay. You just type it in, press the button and it'll... It'll you don't go. need to create an invoice. In the background, it's creating the invoice for you. Okay. So it's communicating with that other service. Saying It's uh, what's saying, give me an invoice because I'm going to pay it. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, and you wouldn't be aware it's even creating the invoice and doing that in the background. It's kind of like sending an email. You're not aware of what's going on in the background with SMTP. Wh why does Lightning require invoices to be paid? What's the idea behind that? Um... Oh, you're asking two technical questions here. Why does it require? Let's <laughs> ask chat. Ask chat AI. Yeah. On, see what chat AI says. Actually, I'm interested in this as well. Has <laughs> um, he got it? No, it's still working. In order to make a payment over the Lightning Network, the sender must provide the recipient with an invoice, which is cryptographic proof of the payment terms agreed upon for the channel. This invoice contains information such as the amount of payment, the payment's recipient, and the CTO associated with the payment channel. I fucking I love that. I love this bloody <laughs> software. <laughs> the invoice also includes a payment pre-image, which is a secret value that the sender must use to prove that they actually have the ability to make the payment. Don't you love this That's thing? impressive. So good. Do, That's do another impressive. one like, in the background. Tell the story of the Bitcoin Cup football final between <laughs> Real Bedford... <laughs> And Oxford City. You can't ask it who's a better team. It's like, oh, I'm not going to tell you that shit. But you, it might come up with stuff. Um, not able to browse <laughs> the web and therefore do not. Yeah, we yeah. do not give predictions. Yeah. Have you played around with this chat? Uh, not properly yet, no. Oh, man, it's insane. Yeah, like, I've, it's insane. The, like, seen, shit that you can do. I've seen a lot of it at the minute. I think, is it, I'm trying to still grasp of whether it's um, actually using, like, AI as, as strict as AI is in behind the scenes or is it just scouring the internet to 
cluster, like grab what it can and then serve the, your result. Yeah. It's a better Google. But it's it's unbelievable. So I asked it to write a description for a podcast and I gave it like a few prompts. It was the Nate Harmon and Steve Barber. Uh, did we actually use it in the end? No, no. Why not? Because uh, it wasn't quite good enough. But it was so, it was unbelievably good. Could you, you like, just edit it? it? Yeah. Oh, you, you could have used it as a basis for the thing and just edit it. Can we use it for this one? We'll use it for yeah, this one. Yeah, all right. We'll use yeah, it for this one. Um, I also did one. I was like, uh, give me a series of intelligent questions to ask. No, a unique questions to ask Michael Saylor about Bitcoin for an interview. Right. And it came up with like 15 questions or whatever it was. So, and, and like, like some of them are like, like why will like shit questions but someone's like yeah it's a fucking great question yeah like it's insane yeah it is really good scary so you just like a scary. template to start from i think it actually gives you some quite good stuff who won the bitcoin cup it didn't it said it couldn't do it what it said i'm not able to browse the web and therefore don't have information yeah, let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna get this shit because it's uh, <laughs> tell the story of a football match between rail bedford fc and Oxford City FC. Just have some, some hold music. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, weird. It doesn't like. I have the ability stuff. to create original content, but I've had it tell the story. Like, tell the story of. We could be here for a while. Danny Knowles. <laughs> yeah, you did the story of how like I was the downfall killing, of the podcast, <laughs> which is true. Killing, <laughs> Peter McCormack. You were overloading it with story requests. <laughs> I did. I got some. I'm sorry, but I'm not able to. It definitely used to do that. If it is my AI that we're talking about here, then it's it's self-learning. It's hopefully going to be learning what you're what you previously put in, and it'll be adjusting its answers. According. So it's thinking it shouldn't be doing this. It shouldn't be telling. Or you how maybe to it's learning. <laughs> or maybe it's learning in the background, and it's like, right, we should hide this shit because like it's it, the rise of the robots. It's scary. It's very scary. I, uh, this is weird because it, it was totally doing this and that was fun and it was doing poems and stuff yeah. like that like okay. Lynn Alden put a load of poems off I think <laughs> alright so it'll tell us look but it says so write a poem about <laughs> Oxford City Football Club playing Real Bedford you're the reason this is under too much demand <laughs> in Oxford City Dreaming of in Oxford, city of dream inspires where history and learning never tire. The football club, known as the U's, gathers strength to take on their foes. In the field of play, the players met Oxford in blue, Bedford in white, and Fleet. The fans are cheering the tensions high as the teams clash in battle for pride. Oxford attacks with pace and flair, looking to score to show their force to bear. Bedford, de Bedford defends with heart and soul. Just give us a fucking score. <laughs> Before that, I was going to say, it sounds like a bedtime story. No, no, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's raise a glass to the use for their victory over Brio. But fuck off. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, though, because I got it telling some stories. I, so I, I basically just said, tell me a dark story about this or tell me yeah. a dark story about that. Like how Dan. And it was like fascinating, like little stories. Yeah. That's weird that it's. It's learning. It's learning, yeah. Do you think that's like. Mm, yeah, weird. Uh, don't know any, uh, anyway, so back to lightning payments and <laughs> and adoption. How do we drive? Ask How do we drive adoption oh, that, of oh, remittance? That's in, a very good I question. I mean, Danny, do you try to go home? <laughs> <laughs> what would Daddy think? Maybe yeah. in the future it would just be me and AI. <laughs> <laughs> the whole podcast is me just talking to yeah, AI. But if you're asking, you, you're asking the AI for questions. So oh, it's yes. just AI. Just, yeah, but, just then I can ask, but then I can ask the AI to answer the questions. <laughs> 
Do you know, uh, there's going to be some people listening to this right now going, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> I want to learn about lightning invoices. <laughs> what's, it, what's it saying, Danny? There are a few different ways people are working on to drive Bitcoin adoption and other cryptocurrencies. Ugh. Yeah, fuck off. All right, so, but, so, <laughs> so, so the big thing, thing, like the technology works, okay? Yep. It saves money. Yep. It's open 24-7. Yep. You don't have to go to a remittance. You don't have to go to a Western Union. You can literally do it sat in your pants on the couch. Yep. Like every single part. Is there any part where the traditional remittance industry is better? Um, I think at the minute for physical cash, um, yes, because that infrastructure isn't there yet for the Bitcoin side. So if somebody side. wants to get cash the other end, yeah, that's the one thing they've got. Then I think that is, yeah, which is, as we know, dying out. Um, so that is a dying sector, should we call it. So, But the, for most people, there's no logical reason for them not to use what you're using over Western Union. Uh, not of them. I guess the only if they don't have. So it is really the physical cash side. If they didn't have, if they were in the Philippines, but they didn't have a bank account. But do you know what percentage of people who use in remittance end up with physical cash the other end? Um, let's ask Chat AI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. This is a new fact checker. <laughs> who fact checks the AI? I'm just going to ask Google this one. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but but yeah. I, I, you know whatever the number is, it's yeah. it's a decreasing number. But for anyone who is not needing cash the other end, yeah, there is no reason they shouldn't be using yours. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and that that's part of I think at the minute it's still scary a little bit, and it's still people obviously don't know about it. People have never used it; they're unsure. Um, Do trust... they even know they're using Bitcoin? No, no. So it's similar like Strike have been pushing out for a while now. It's like they're trying not to. Bitcoin, they're trying to be dollar, but actually in the background, it's using Lightning to move the money around the world. But some um, people might want Bitcoin, so it's like, yeah. how do you do both? It's difficult, yeah. Um, I think you've just got to give customers the option. So you've, you almost have to, like the remittance products, the way you market that almost has to be, yes, you're moving value around the world of whatever currency to another currency. Um, but then at the same time, if you're advertising then your Bitcoin buying service, so if it wants to just come and buy or sell Bitcoin, you are advertising to a different crowd and it is completely different audiences each time. Or generally, there will, will obviously be crossovers. So you could just open, end up opening an office in these country, a few of these countries? Um, potentially, yeah. I think the, the way... The way I'm seeing it at the minute is um, I've explained this to a couple of people recently with um, uh, they've asked me the question, you know, how do we how do we compete with Visa, MasterCard, Western Union and, and the likes in, in all different areas of uh, payments? And the point is we don't have to. Um, we we are in a small piece, but there's lots of coin corners out there. There's, there's Strike, there's Bitnob, there's Pouch, there's all these ones that we're talking about that are all now starting to build this infrastructure all around the world. We don't need offices in Philippines because right. Pouch are there. So we can interact with Pouch and make the payment and they receive it on their end. So whereas we transfer wise, or say Western Union, there's Western Union at each end and having to, the infrastructure they've had to build out to do that, physical infrastructure to do that has been massive. Whereas now we just don't need that anymore. They're kind of fucked really when you think about it. It's a little bit like, you can think of so many industries, think of Blockbuster, right? They built out the infrastructure of having all the uh, shops in every major town, so you can go and get, you know, go and rent your uh, your DVD or your, your video. Yeah. Do you remember videos? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember videos? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember videos? <laughs> um, so, uh, and then I remember that it, before we had like uh, Netflix, it was Love Film. Do you remember Love Film? Yeah, I remember Love Film. And it was like, oh, you don't, you can just have it posted to you. Now that was a bit annoying because that was kind of like, ah. Uh, yeah. Like, that was what Netflix was originally. Yeah, yeah. it was posted. But that, I always found that annoying because it was like, well, I, I have to order it two days early. 
and I like the experience of going to the shop and flicking through. Yeah. And that kind, but that kind of like removes some of the need for the infrastructure. But Netflix just destroyed the infrastructure. Yeah, I can sit on my couch in my pants and I can just surf and find the film I want to watch. Yeah. And it, essentially, that's what is going to happen to Western Union. Yeah. Because they've got the expensive legacy infrastructure that is not required. No. And the thing I, my little quote I say in the team back home uh, laughs at that is people are lazy. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, without wanting to uh, insult people, people are lazy. Innovation is created off well, the back of laziness. Well, you have insulted them, and I think it's okay. That's <laughs> good. Yeah, people are lazy. Uh, people are lazy. And if you look back at innovations, they are created off the back of people being lazy. The webcam is always the, the example I use of the, um, it was created in, was it Oxford or Cambridge University, I think. Um, and it was purely some tech guys in the university couldn't be bothered walking to check if a coffee pot was ready and boiled in another room. So they created the webcam. And so they could watch it and check when it was boiled or when it was empty, I think it was. Uh, so they could go and refill. Um, so it was things like that. Innovation technology is created by laziness. And exactly what you're saying there, you can sit at home and watch Netflix. You don't have to go to the video shop anymore. You'll be able to do the same Western Union. You have to get out of your house, go and pick up the cash, do whatever. Somebody in the UK will be able to sit at home, send into somebody at home in the Philippines, and you'll be able to sit on, both sit on your couch and send the money over to you and you just receive it instantly. So yeah, it's it, it's playing out the way, the, I guess the way I see um, money movement around the world with Bitcoin and Lightning is playing out similar to what you see in with the blockbusters and um, other industries, I guess, we've seen over the years that have slowly died out due to a not keeping up with innovation. So I kind of hope, I kind of hope this utility builds out to the point where we get rid of bear markets. Yes. I think people people were speculating on that this time, and I think that it was way too early. Way too early, um, yeah. And, but yeah, I think that would be really, really interesting because that means it's no longer... It's the hype cycles we've lived and experienced. Um, they are difficult to operate as a business, especially in. Oh, yeah. Um, I know, I think uh, you had Jesse on, didn't you, from Kraken the other week, yeah. and uh, his comments around that, and you have these... As the hype cycles go, the businesses follow them hype cycles. So during the bull period, great. We get lots of customers, lots of trades, lots of money. Bear period, it's the complete opposite way. And you're seeing that at the minute. People are laying off um, staff at all the exchanges. Um, and that is hard to run a business when a lot of the businesses in the industry are venture capital backed and the VCs are looking for returns at some point. So they're trying to effectively force the industry where it's just not ready to be forced. You and cannot you force cannot, it. You no. can, I mean, look, you can you can organically support it, you, yep. but you cannot force adoption like you can force speculation. No. The speculation hype cycle, they can go crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But you cannot force adoption of Bitcoin as, as a utility yep. outside of that. And that's why I think your company is super interesting. Like, am I like, you've not raised money. We can talk about that, right? No, we, we, we raised uh, £150,000 in 2015 from just a high net worth local. So you um, did some like but, seed capital, right? Yeah. But no. you haven't then gone, you haven't gone like series A, B, C, D. No, I've never touched a venture capital money or institutional. So. I, I think that's really cool. Uh, and I, I'm going to say for a couple of reasons. Uh, firstly, um, you're not under a pressure to have a accelerating, growing bank, uh, bank, uh, bank balance, which isn't forcing you to take risks. And I think that's maybe what happens to some of these companies because every round they want a much higher valuation. Yep. Therefore, with those higher valuations, they need to have more business. And I think a lot of companies have just taken big risks or have witnessed these down rounds because of it because mm -hmm. it's just not possible to have that kind of accelerated growth. Yep. Uh, so I think it's cool because of that, but I also Thank just you. think it's cool because um, you're going, you're, you've got the right time preference. Your time preference is matching bitcoins. Yeah, I think. Thank you as well. Really appreciate the comments there. Um, but yeah, that is 
the way my mind is and the way I'm, I'm wanting to, to move forwards and the way I've always moved forward is that long-term time preference. You're looking at the long-term um, sustainability of the company, not just getting get out. And that is unfortunately the VC world, Silicon Valley world. You see down rounds and down rounds is generally the killer of a lot of companies, um, traditionally in the VC and mm. the Silicon Valley world. In our industry, that, I don't think that's quite going to be the same because we have these four-year hype cycles. Um, so yeah, going back to your original point, I'm I'm looking forward to a time when the cycles slowly come to an end um, and we can actually just be using Bitcoin in everyday life. And whether you realize it or not, the um, an analogy I'd like to sort of ex- touch on if that's all right with that with bear with me <laughs> that's what i'm saying but um, home. <laughs> um the yeah, that was without meaning um so if you look back on the internet people compare bitcoin to the internet and you go back to the 90s and people try and compare it but they're comparing it against users of the internet and users of bitcoin when you look at the internet and how the internet grew and initially it was uh, you know it was universities around the world sending uh, research papers to each other and data and then you had emails and you had basic websites then you had e-commerce um then we had like dating and then eventually social media and then you eventually had smartphones and like this is going over decades now and we're getting to a point where you eventually get to streaming on netflix and you you yeah, yeah that was probably back in the 90s <laughs> but every single one of them introduced a new wave of customers and a new wave of users and sometimes I remember my my dad you know, back in like maybe early 2000s ever saying no he's, he doesn't need a computer he'd never use the internet now he uses the internet I would pretty much guarantee every single day yeah and whether that's watching telly and it's being streamed whether that's picking up a laptop and you're just straight on the internet or sure, whether it's on your phone no he used to work in like IT so he's always been yeah. pretty on it my dad was pretty bad so my my dad worked for an airline he was an aircraft engineer and he he was quite late to computers and then he had to use them for emails but he now my dad does online banking like and if you know my dad that's incredible for him to do shit like that (laughs) he has a facebook account yeah he emails and like like, he's he's like just put in perspective my my dad only got a phone about five years ago Mm -hmm. a mobile right he just didn't have one so but he does it all as well eventually everyone gets there yeah and they do it because this is the the point earlier on don't force bitcoin down people's throats give them the utility give them that we, what our version of the smartphone is at the minute, I have no idea in, in the Bitcoin world and what that might be. What I'm looking at there is like products, um, so your smartphone or e-commerce or eventually Netflix and streaming. In the Bitcoin world, it's, it's probably going to be slightly different to that and it may not be like, it's remittance could be one, um, an FX money movement around the world. Um, one of the other ones could be like El Salvador adopting it and that brings in a new wave of users and it's, you know, slowly gets there. Um, and each time a new country brings in, it's it's more and more people every time. And that's kind of our versions of, I guess, like the smartphone and the Netflix. Once the US adopt it in a better capacity, maybe that's our smartphone point in time and that's where we see more adoption. Um, but that is going to, this is one of the things that people need to understand and people need to be patient. There's a 40-year timeline I'm talking over there from the internet of starting on the internet to where we are today. That is going to be in my head similar capacity to Bitcoin. So we're going to expect, you know, we're 12, 13 years are we in now to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to think, okay, back then we were in early mid 90s in terms of technology uh, advancements in comparison to the internet. Um, so we've got to give it time and you've got to see another 5, 10, 15, 20 years for it to really be at the, the Netflix stage, maybe where your mum and your, your grandparents are all using it on a daily basis without realizing as well, I think. Um, and that's the, that's the key for me. And it's it's people don't like to hear that, I think. And people don't really want to 
they want it to happen overnight and tomorrow and they're impatient. Um, but the reality is it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to be hard. It's going to be an uphill battle with regulators and banks and everything else. Um, but in my head, eventually it gets there, whether that's 10, 20, 30 years time. And that's where we want to aim as a company to be there at that point. So you're very practical about it all. We try to be. <laughs> Does that mean like you sit outside and observe a lot of a lot of what's going on in the Bitcoin industry and you just are you inside calling bullshit in your head? It's a lot of noise. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, definitely a lot of um I, I was telling you guys last night about, you know, don't like going ambulance chasing and um, grave dancing and that side where things are blowing up and you're jumping on it and, and doing that, which I, I don't want to do as an as individual and I don't want to do as a company. Um, Bitcoin or crypto. So, yeah, either one, yeah. Um, either one's not good in reality. I think, you know, FTX going under and on all that side, it's good for the uh, cleanup of the industry, but the negative side of that, and if we keep shouting about that and making a big song and dance about it, you know, Sam has to in theory, go to jail at some point or, or something has happened to him in whatever capacity. But if we keep shouting and making a song and dance about it, it gives the regulators more ammunition to say, these guys are still going on about this. We we should clamp down. If if the people that are working in the industry are singing the song about it, then we should be also clamping down. And it creates a negative um, perception as well for the outside world. And the more noise we make about that, the, the worse that gets. Um, so yeah, I'd rather kind of what, we, what I try and do, what we try and do is try and ignore a lot of that noise as much as possible and just focus on what we're doing, what we're building and, and which direction we can go. We want to find companies around the world that we can work with that are in the same kind of mindset and the same direction as we're going, which is touched on before with Bitknobs and the likes. Um, and we can then drive together and create something together while the noise is happening around us. We just have to kind of ignore it. This show is brought to you by Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin but whilst we're at the bottom of a bear market, I'm only buying. We're hodlers, right? We hodl through this. Now, I have been using the Gemini app for buying the dips all through this, and I've also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin. Both the app and the website make buying and selling Bitcoin super easy, and Gemini have invested in building leading industry security since day one. Gemini are also running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did, all you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade over $100 or more on Gemini. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD. That is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Next up, we have BCB Group. Now, BCB Group provide online business banking services for companies in the Bitcoin industry. And yes, I am now a customer of BCB2. Now, they heard about the difficulty I had with finding a payment services provider that understands Bitcoin, and they reached out to me. Now, BCB's clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds, and miners active in the UK and Europe, and they are expanding globally. They also have this amazing network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients for all supported currencies. Now listen, I know some of you have had trouble with this too. So if you're looking for a banking provider who understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you might want to become a BCB customer too. Now if you want to find out more, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Next up is my new sponsor, Wasabi, who I will now be using to make sure I keep my Bitcoin private. With the release of Wasabi 2.0, privacy is now effortless as a wallet has introduced privacy by default. Now, rather than having to choose to coin join, 
This can be done automatically, so you just have to receive your Bitcoin, wait for the coin join, and then you can spend freely. All the magic happens automatically in the background, which is a massive UX improvement, which you know, that's always something I care about. Now, you do get additional privacy through Tor integration into Wasabi, so you don't leak your IP address. There is also no more minimum denomination, so you can coin join any amount, and there is no change, so any amount you receive from a coin join is private. Now, privacy is something I am definitely taking more seriously, and with the recently released Wasabi 2.0, this becomes so much easier. Now, if you do want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S-A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T dot I-O. Well, you guys are pretty much all signal, especially Molly. <laughs> we try, <laughs> like, like you, uh, you always seem to stand out to me when you're doing like little demos or showing shit that's happening. Like that really cool thing where they were passing, they were like in a circle passing yep. the Bitcoin around. It was so cool. Yeah, did you see the El Salvador one? Yeah. With Joe. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. That was good. We, that was something that we wanted to do for a while. And did you, were you on that trap? I can't remember. I just, yeah. You were? Yeah. I, I just remember seeing because Molly ran it and I saw it. Yeah. 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 Um, did you make of El Salvador? Was that your first time? No, sorry. I've not been to El Salvador. Sorry, oh, you no, weren't no. on that trip? No, no. Sorry. I thought you said on the, the video. Sorry. No. Yes. The uh, Joe Nakamoto was in El Salvador. Yes. And we were just sending to him. So oh. I was in the office in the Alaman. And we sent to him, and then he was there, and he went and paid yeah. in person. Yeah, um, with the uh, used the bolt. Wasn't there, wasn't there another one though where Molly was like in a circle? Uh, yeah, I think that was one a couple of weeks before. Maybe yeah. and we did that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we've we've done a couple of them where it's just to show, um, I guess, the power of what you can do with Lightning. I think one of the big things for education and uh, helping people along in their adoption is actually showing them how something works, like we don't like announcing something if we haven't got something to show with it. So we could be doing all sorts of announcements, but if there's nothing to show, I feel like I can't, like people don't really understand what it is. There's then loads of questions. It creates more questions and problems. And then when you finally release the product, the excitement's kind of gone because everybody already kind of knew it was coming in. They're not bothered. So we always like to try and every time we want to release a product, we don't shout about it, keep it quiet, and then we'll shout about it, but it's in action, they're working. Um, so we've done that all the way through and we want to keep doing that, I guess. And it's more um, authentic, I'd say. Um, and I, I don't like letting people down, I guess, in some way. <laughs> we shout about something that doesn't happen, which happens all the time. Like, you know, we, there's so many um, in the background things that we've come very close to um, and a lot of other companies do similar. And you can't, it's out of your control a lot of time and out of your hands. It's no one's fault. Um, but these things, sometimes you don't get them over the line for X, Y, and Z reasons. And um, yeah, I think I've learned my lessons over the years of not to get too excited and shout about something. And originally we would have done that. Um, but now I think we've learned that to wait until it's over the line, it's live, and then we can shout about it and uh, be excited. Um, going back to the other man um, and then driving merchant adoption and usage out there. Uh, when you get a merchant to accept Bitcoin... Could it be that, like, could it be that they only get maybe one or two transactions a week? And how do they feel about that? And I ask for a reason because, like, I'm obviously thinking, you know, we have Bitcoin Beach, yeah. we have Bitcoin Lake in Guatemala, we've got Bitcoin Island Original, yeah. we've got the Bitcoin Football Team. Like, I'm thinking about Bedford and driving adoption, like going around my town and trying to introduce it. But I can imagine going into a place saying, "Yeah, you should accept Bitcoin," blah, blah, and they do it, and then like nobody comes in. And yeah. like, how how much uh, how much is what what kind of requirement? What kind of burden does it put on them to accept it? Okay, reality check again yeah, for everybody. Reality check. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, adoption is very very difficult in terms of p payments in person, especially even the payments online. Um, in the Alaman, for example, yeah, we onboarded very quickly fifty 
physical point of, uh, sort of point of sale uh, shops where you can go and pay with Bitcoin. Um, you are right, they may only get like one or two orders a week, some of them, so there's few and far between. And if they, some of them may go for a couple of weeks without an order because nobody's going there and or no Bitcoiners are going there. Um, and we have quite a lot of Bitcoiners on the island as well for the size of the island. There's, there's quite a good uh, density of them. So, How many do you get at a meetup, say? Um, it varies. We do because we do like a weekly lunch thing oh, okay. where there might be like 10, 15 people. Uh, and then we'll do the um monthly or every couple of months, they'll be more like towards 50, maybe. Yeah, uh, but yeah, a good size kind of cycles around really. Um, for how many people come. Um, so there's, there's yeah, there's a number of companies there now that are in the industry, and then a lot of other people just that have moved there to come and live there for um most of the time capital gains tax purposes um and they've come and uh set up there and they're literally just coming and living there um some of them don't work but they're just bitcoiners that are coming and settling down um but yeah sorry the adoption um it's definitely um i have like we've done that initially for the bulk card and to show people that you can the familiarity of what you can do with contactless cards and you can make that payment and we onboarded all the merchants they came on board because we had that card before that card, explaining to them about accepting Bitcoin was so alien and it was so complicated. They didn't understand scanning QR codes and like from a UK perspective, we're just not used to that. Yeah. So with that familiarity of the bulk card and the contactless payments, that became such an easy sell. So we onboarded them very easy and very quickly at that point. What new infrastructure do they require? Um, what from... In what to accept it or is it really just about uh, them accepting a card? Just Yeah, they just have to have an app on the phone. So right, okay. they can literally just have Coin Corner app on the phone. They can have um, Breeze Wallet works uh, with their POS version. Loads of other ones, all effectively. And so they just there is a say, say it's a kebab and they put in five pound and that yeah. person taps. Yeah. So an interesting point on that is this is one of the things that's frustrating for me. So we use at the full club we use Zettle for our um, for our point of sale. Yeah. And we have all our merch in there and we have all our stock in there. And what's really cool is, you know, we've got a game next Saturday. I will go in and I'll have a look. Do you know Zettel? Yep. yep. So um, so I'll go in here. All right, here we go. So here's all our stock. And I can go into uh, inventory and I can go down here. Right, I've got no bags of Maltesers. I've got only seven cans of John Smith's. Um, I've got no cans of Stella. So, and I can just go to yep. cash and carry and stock up and, you know, we have it there. Yep. And then when it's really cool, when I do want to do a sale, I go like this. So, yeah, I've sold a pint of beer and I've sold a pack of Chris. I go to charge them. I can take the cash, card, paper, and it all manages. Yep. But when I accept Bitcoin, I have to go to a separate uh, system, yep. take the payment, which is super quick. Yep. And then we have to have on a piece of paper, we have to write down what the sale is. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I have to go in and take that off the inventory. Yep. Okay. It's but, pain. Yeah. But it's also, it's not marked as a sale. So when I go and look, it's just a deduction in the inventory. So when I go and look at the reports of what we sold that day, mm -hmm. I, I won't get it from there. So I have to do a manual report separately in Excel where I take it from there and do my Bitcoin. It's annoying. Yep. When do you think we get to the point where someone like Zettel, I just want to have Bitcoin. Bitcoin on there. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what it needs. And that is when, um, I'll come back to the legacy piece in a minute, but what you say when you go and pay in a shop and you've got a point of sale device, which is a card machine, and you've got, you, you can tap your Visa or MasterCard and it just knows, eventually it'll, the idea is it'll be a Bitcoin there as well. So you'll be able to tap your card or tap your phone and it'll pay in Bitcoin, Visa or MasterCard. And the customer doesn't, the merchant doesn't need to know which one because, you know, when you go into a shop and they say, oh, you're paying my card, do you say it's a Visa card? You don't. 
you just tap and pay and, and off you go. Um, so eventually that needs to be embedded, like you're saying there, there needs to be a Bitcoin option and it actually just naturally works. If we spoke to Zettel and they're like, yeah, cool, we want to do this, and they had a Bitcoin button, yeah. would it be very easy for them to integrate with you? Would you literally, yeah, yeah. is it like an API call and you'll display something and bing, done? Yeah. It's it's pretty. We've just done our first legacy integration um, with a POS provider. They're a fairly small one at the minute, but they think they've got about hundred thousand. Um, Who are they? POS machines. Uh, small company in the UK. I've not announced the name yet. Um, okay. Alaman, sorry. You can um, tell me afterwards. Uh, yes, yeah, um, but they. I've put a video out with do you, uh, on do, Twitter. Is it basically that? Um, the, yeah, so their POS system, so like very very much, yeah. You go into a pub and most of these are pubs and it's got the pub POS system and you'll pick your drinks and everything else and it's got all the stock taken and everything in there. And then once you come to payment, you can pay card or Bitcoin and you click Bitcoin and it's got an NFC adapter. You can so we could just we could just sack off Zettel and just go with them? Uh, yeah, you could do. Hmm. Yeah. Well, tell me who it is afterwards. Okay. Obviously, we'll you can't say on it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I will have a look into it. Um, but there's there's lots, and, and there's more of them coming. Um, we're working with quite a few others at the minute. Not Again, I'm just doing mm. contradicting myself here, now announcing something that's not ready. Um, You're announcing an announcement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's coming in the background is, is kind of where I'm getting to. The adoption is coming there, but it takes a long time. Um, this small one has took like many months, to, or nine months, whatever it's been, of initial conversations to where we are now and it's still probably going to be about another month or two before we get live and in a physical shop with that um, so these things just take time and the adoption going back to the original point um, yeah the UX uh, especially in the Alaman shops merchants what exactly what we've seen in uh, from El Salvador from a distance in this last couple of weeks um, people are going into it to the shop saying can I pay with bitcoin they're pulling out a phone or a device, trying to charge it up because they forgot to charge it because they don't get many orders. And the user experience is terrible for oh. the consumer and for the merchant. Um, and a big part of that is because there's not enough people regularly going and, and paying. So even though we onboard all of the merchants, it doesn't mean to say that the consumers are going to come. So you've then got the problem of if the consumers are not coming, then the, the merchants are going to start switching off is what happens there. Um, and we've seen that historically exactly the same years ago, back in 2014, 15, and we onboarded a few back then, and then people stopped paying because uh, the hype cycles disappeared. Yeah, but you've got a chicken and egg problem as well. Like, at the club, we probably, most games, we don't get any Bitcoin transactions mm -hmm. unless a couple of random Bitcoiners have come in yeah. and they would do it. But the days where we have a meetup before the game, we take hundreds of pounds in Bitcoin because it, all the Bitcoiners want to pay in Bitcoin. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's such a hard chicken and egg. And I think what you've got to do is fast forward, going back to this time preference of take a step back and look at the bigger scale and look at, say, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in the future. You say you've got your Barclays, your NatWest, and, you know, NatWest, and they've got 6 million customers with um, a Visa debit card out there. That Visa card eventually could just be a Bitcoin back card, like a, a bulk card, a lightning card. Um, and they can effectively give that to their customers because all the merchants around the country accept it and use it. So at that point, it doesn't matter if they've got a Visa or a MasterCard or a Bitcoin card, they will be able to go and tap and pay and it'll just pull from their bank accounts. So it, that's the point where it's no longer forced. It's, it's in some point forced on the customers and the consumers of, of NatWest, for example, there. Um, but it's now just another version of Visa, MasterCard, you've got Maestro's, you've got American Express. It's another version of that. And the customer doesn't really, you know, do you care if from your bank you get a Visa or MasterCard, which one it is? It doesn't nope. really make a difference. Um, so eventually the banks, as they start to adopt Bitcoin and uh, infrastructure and, and make the payments uh, from a Bitcoin lightning perspective, they will then eventually, the, the market will dictate 
which one they go with. Will they go with Visa or will they go with MasterCard because of the pricing or will they go with Bitcoin Lightning because maybe it's slightly cheaper now and it's it's not restrictive of what they can do and how they can uh, operate the business. So that the market, I guess, will dictate which one, I'm not going to say wins at the end because they'll they'll run in parallel for, for many, many years, I'm sure. Um, but that is the way I would see it, taking that step back and seeing that is where you're, uh, from the football, football club perspective, people coming in and paying, they'll be coming in and paying with Bitcoin without even thinking about it and yeah. realizing. But still, we are 10, 15, 20 years off that happening. But we have to build that infrastructure in place now and, and build that out. So in the meantime, while we're building that out, we need to find the current use cases around the world, which comes back to remittance and FX and money movement around the world. So in the meantime, you keep building them products out and making use of it. And every time you're making use of that and the remittance products, for example, that's pulling in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people eventually, they all then start to get comfortable with Bitcoin. And then over time, they start using it in different ways, different capacities, and that then drives next waves of adoptions. So that's the way I guess I look at it and the way I'm looking at Bitcoin in this long-term timescale and not this short-term hype cycle, if we can avoid it. You're very patient, Danny Scott. (laughs) Very patient. Yeah. I'm conscious I just really want to support everything you're doing. Like I said it to you (laughs) earlier, I feel like we've neglected the UK. And, um, you know, after going to Edinburgh, I felt like we want to do a bit more. And I know you guys have been, like, working super hard here and you've been doing some great Mm -hmm. stuff. And I feel like we just, if we can help you, we can. But, like, is there anything we've not talked about you want to get into? I've got the cards. Would would you like a little present? Yeah, show us. That's uh, what we've got. These are the bulk. <gasps> no way. I didn't know you were doing this. Yeah, so we've got, oh is this, my this God. the world first? Or uh, have you been doing this for a while? Oh, this the, is fucking cool. No, no, these, we're not, these are purely one-off run for you guys. That is okay. cool. there's, there's more in the bag down there. But so, they, right, for people listening, Danny Scott is a legend. He has handed <laughs> me these Rail Bedford uh, bulk cards. Uh, explain the bulk card to people listening. So the bulk card, similar to what I was talking about there with the Visa MasterCards, it's a contactless um card that you can go and tap on a POS device or a, a Bitcoin POS device um, and it will make a, a lightning payment effectively um, to make the payment rather than the Visa or MasterCard rails. So how do I load it up? So that's what we can show you. Right, let's do it. So we'll, this, this looks so staged, doesn't this is, it? Yeah, this does. <laughs> this Trust is me, a, this was a surprise. No, I'm, oh, this is cool, dude. Cool. A live demo that is never going to work, but we'll see. Um, so in the Coin Corner app, you can go onto your cards. I don't know if, shall I go that way? You go into the cards and then you've got your bulk card, which is kind of like your debit card as such tied to your, your account. So uh-huh. you can then tap and pay with that. Or you can set up a gift card. So if I set up a gift card, 2,000 sats on, I click create and I'll say tap the card on the phone. I tap the card and it's done. So you've got 2,000 sats on there ready to go. You see that, Sean? Yeah. That's, now that instantly has money on it. So you can Bitcoin. now... The, the, what I was giving you these guys mm-hmm. to these four is to help um, with the club you're wanting to help with the players getting yeah. into Bitcoin things maybe a good Christmas gift for top them up with some free sats so, so uh, and so how do I know where I can spend this um, it's generally there's a, there is a website out there um, that you can go to and it'll show you uh, all the different places that accept Bitcoin it's few and far between in the UK at the minute um, the Isle of Man is more dense so there's, there's plenty in the Isle of Man um, so if we wanted to accept it at the club what app do I need uh, you can use Coin Corners POS without wanting to show that. Um, you can use uh, what well, Satoshi works with it, Breeze, um, BTC Pay Server works with it. Pretty much any Lightning uh, wallet these days now is compatible with that. Wow, that is super cool. Thank and you. You can tap that on your phone to get the balance, right? You can tap it and sweep it into any of your, like, do it if you do it now. Have you got a Lightning wallet? 
Just any lightning wallet. If you tap on your phone, it'll pop up with the wallet. Ah, there we go. Zebedee NFC tag. Ah, it's didn't really go to Zebedee. Is it default to Zebedee? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes your phones dictate which one you can go to. Zebedee's that gaming thing I told you about. Ah, okay. But anyway, that's very, very cool. Now sweep the sat straight into whichever wallet you've got. Can I switch what it defaults to? I don't know. This is an ongoing question online at the minute. Everybody's got this problem. Yeah. iPhones seem to pick one, and Android didn't used to, and Android's kind of started doing that a little bit now. Yeah. If you do that on mine... Because it used to be blue wallet was my default. Yeah, just tap that on the back of mine. And that'll then pop up and give you all different wallets that we can that's compatible with. Whoop, that is so cool. cool. These are so cool. Thank you, yeah. Danny. Welcome. Uh, you can't have them. Are you still got <laughs> <laughs> That is very, very cool. Okay, very cool. Thank you. Appreciate that. But yeah, the, the, the innovation, you're welcome as well. And I think the innovation for that is the highlight piece of what I touched on earlier on. We released these in May and... People are creating things off the back of them. All the wallets are compatible with them. Um, there's just so many different... We saw one the other day who... Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it now. So it's one for electric charging points. I don't know if you've seen that one going around Europe. Um, and he's actually using one of our bulk cards, which can also be dual use all of a sudden. So you can tap it and take like the user ID effectively from that and um, charge his car from it, from one of the charging points. Um, so it's not using a Bitcoin Lightning payment, it's just using the, the information that's on there. But that in itself is like your Visa MasterCard, but you can now set your Visa and MasterCard up yourself. You don't have to wait for your bank to yeah. send you one and wait six weeks and so on. You can tap that on your phone and set that up and off you go and use it. Um, and it doesn't have to be a card, it can be um, ring, it can be a sticker, it can be all sorts, anything NFC compatible. It, it would be cool when... Uh, Lots more places. Well, you can go almost anywhere and just go tap. Yeah. Tap, yeah. done. Yeah. And that's where we need the legacy integrations, really, because they're the ones that have the mass merchants and we need to build that infrastructure out. But again, time preference, it's going to take time. So I have I have actually once had somebody at the club ask, can I pay with Bolt? Oh, and I was okay. like, I don't know how to do it. I've got to speak to Danny. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I'll have a look into uh, us being able to accept these as well at the club. Cool. We'll do that. Yep. That's very cool. Thank you, man. Appreciate Welcome. that. There's more down there as well. I've got a whole run of them. Oh, you got loads of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just one off run for you guys. So I might, I might give one uh, to each of the players. See yeah, like that'd be good. Twenty bucks a bitcoin on it. Yeah. And listen, look, um, Danny, you've got an open invite to come on the show whenever you want. Thank we you. want to support you and help you. Uh, everything you and Molly are doing. So anything, just give us a shout. Let us know. Thank you. Um, and we'll push this out. Uh, if you want, where do you want people to go if they want to find out more? Uh, Twitter uh, is always Coin Corner Danny. Um, Coin Corner account. Just the, the whole team is Coin Corner, followed by their names, so you'll mm -hmm. find them uh, easy enough. Um, and coincorner.com if you have any interest uh, just reach out to me and any questions I'll answer away and if you want to come down and do a meetup and explain these uh, we do one a month at the club and we need to organise the Bitcoin Cup between Rail Bedford and we Oxford do. City <laughs> and we don't want to play their first team just yet they're, uh, they're a bit above us but um, open invitation to Oxford City there yeah definitely and, uh, give them a kick. We have, I think we briefly spoke to them about that so yeah we'll, we'll see what we can do there we, we, um, we played a game at their ground last year because somebody else they've got a 3G pitch haven't they or whether, uh, yes, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was our last game of the season because they were playing there as well. So we've, we've been to the ground. Uh, and I've I got a feeling my ma manager, Rob, played for Oxford City. Weird feeling. Uh, there we go. <laughs> anyway, listen, look, uh, anything you need, give us a shout. Uh, come to a meetup, stay in touch. We'll come to the Iron Man, come and check it out. And yeah, and just good luck. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I love it. I love the time preference that you're working to and I love what you're building out. So thank you. Uh, thank you for coming in and good luck. Same to you guys as well. Thank you very much. All right. 
Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, everything Coin Corner and the team are doing to push Bitcoin in the UK. I'm going to help you out as if I can a little bit more. Uh, yeah, give it a good push in the UK. I really love how Danny is bootstrapping their business. They're not tempted by VC money with unrealistic expectations. They're just building a solid business. And with everything that's happened with all these companies who've raised loads of funds and got themselves in shit during this bear market, it's it's really great to see a company that's bootstrapped just you know, tick along and doing just fine. So I love everything Danny's doing. I'm going to get him on with Molly next time. And yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for coming on. Okay, final show this is. This is the final show before Christmas. So again, happy Christmas, everyone. Thank you to everyone who supported the show this year and everyone who supported Bitcoin. It has been a weird year. It started so well. We've had a real tricky middle bit. Uh, I'm still confident. Roll on 2023. Let's have it. Now, this isn't the last show of the year. As I said, it's just the last show before Christmas. i got my family here. We're going to go and eat some food. We're going to go and drink. We're going to play some games. We're going to hang out. And I'm very excited just to just have some time off, actually, because it's, yeah, it's been a long year. Me and Danny and Jeremy, we've traveled a lot. We've uh, made a lot of shows. And uh, we also bought a football team. So a lot going on. But roll on 2023. I'm here for it. Have a lovely Christmas. I love you all dearly. Thank you so much. You got any questions about this? Anything else? Please do drop me an email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. <laughs>